Well, welcome to Front Range. My name, whoa, hey, whoa. Sorry, guys, that's probably on me, maybe. Hey, welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith. I'm the lead pastor. We're so grateful that you are here, man. We're so excited about today. Why don't you turn to your neighbor and say, I'm excited that you're here. Come on. Then turn to your second choice and say, I'm kind of excited that you're here. <laughs> All right, we're so thankful for you. And hey, if, if you're new, our hope and prayer is that this will become your home, a place where you can build community, discover your purpose, grow in your faith in Jesus. And I'll say this from the outset, there's no better Sunday to come if you're new than this Sunday, because you're going to see our church in action. You're going to see our church move in faith because of the love they have for people, the love that we have for this community, and the love we have for what God is wanting to do in the world around us. And so if you're new, there's no better day to, to show up than today. If you want to get connected, we have a lot of things going on uh, at Front Range, especially this week. Uh, in fact, today we're packing Thanksgiving boxes. Maybe some of you, you've been a part of that. We've been doing this for years uh, where we pack boxes for families in need during Thanksgiving and Christmas time. So we have two times today that we're packing boxes. On Tuesday, uh, we have uh, our students have Friendsgiving, uh, which is a, a big party, a big event that they have, which is super cool. Uh, Thursday or uh, Friday night is ladies' night. Friday's night, uh, Friday. Friday night, ladies' night. Uh, and then Saturday is Starlighting, uh, which we, uh, we, we use our ministry center. We open it up. We provide free coffee and, and hot chocolate and snacks and all of that. If you want to serve there, if you want to be a part of any of that, you just scan the QR code uh, that you find on your worship guide that Pastor Brandon just talked about, or you can go to our website and find more information. If you want to get deeper connected here uh, and discovering your purpose and building community and growing in your faith, we have something called Next Steps happening on December 4th. Uh, we'll provide free meal for you, child care. The Broncos aren't playing, and it doesn't matter anyways. Plus, you're here while they're playing. So thank you for that. Um, uh, we would love for you to join us on December 4th. Again, go scan that QR code or go to our website, and you can get more information. You can sign up for any of those things, find out what's going on. We'd love to get you connected here. Today, uh, man, it's the most important Sunday of our church. Uh, it's the most important weekend that we've had as a church. We're finishing out a series called For the Church, For the City, where what we've been doing is we've started a, uh, or we're about to start a two-year giving initiative where we're asking our church that over the next two years to give above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings. Why? So we can build a building, so we can have a home. Uh, we've been portable since our existence for eight years. We've met in nine different locations, and we just believe if we get our own home, we'll be able to care for people in greater ways. We'll be able to make an even greater impact in our community. Just last week, we talked about all the ways that we've impacted our community as a church. Uh, in the eight years since we started, we've given away over $850,000 to families in need, to nonprofits, to uh, area schools, and, and helping them with different issues that they have, and uh, missionaries, just all kinds of things. We've just given money away. We've started 31 churches all across the U.S. and the world. We've given out over 300,000 meals to families in need in our town. So God has used you in great ways. And, and we talked about this idea that the greatest generator of missions, the greatest generator of caring for the poor and the lost and, and the least of these throughout the world is the American church. And when the American church thrives, we get to care for people in even greater ways. And so this is one step uh, for us as a church to enter into uh, a next level of thriving and being able to care for people in greater ways. So what's the goal? The goal is $4 million. Uh, we need to raise $4 million over the next two years, which is a lot of money. Um, I've been praying that God would just do miracles, do miracles in our lives, in our hearts, and that 
He would move in, in a powerful way. And we know that uh, four million isn't going to build us a building because we're not building a tiny home. Uh, this is uh, 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 the four million gets a shovel into the dirt, uh, meaning we have financing lined up, great financing. We, uh, we have, we're under contract for the land. But to be able to actually start the building process, we need to be able to raise uh, these funds. If we don't do it, if we don't raise $4 million, this opportunity might go away. Uh, so this is a pivotal moment for our church. We know the only way to get there is for all of us to be 100% in. Uh, so we've said from the very beginning, the goal is 100% commitment. And that's from the babies all the way up to the, the oldest people in our church. We want 100% commitment. So even last week, uh, we had our kids, we gave them these banks a few weeks ago. And we said, hey, you know, pray about your commitment, fill up the bank, you know, do whatever. Man, you guys have some entrepreneurs as kids. Uh, you have some kids that are going to be running some big businesses. Uh, and they're going to be helping out with your retirement uh, at some point. Our kids, uh, when they came, they came and gave their generosity last week. They raised over $1,000. Just our kids. Yeah. Our students committed over $3,600, middle school and high school students. Are you kidding me? Like, that deserves a bigger applause than that. Let's go. That's kids and students that are like, hey, we're all in. Like, we're in this together. And I just love that. We created a, uh, a chart of uh, uh, gifts uh, that tells you kind of, hey, we need these gifts to be able to get to uh, the $4 million. And if you're looking at it, you're like, man, why isn't like a million dollars on there? If you're asking that question, come talk to me because I can put it on there today. Uh, but this is how we get to $4 million, is the different options you see up there. There's, it's big numbers, guys. And we said from the very beginning that uh, as you pray through this and what your involvement is, you're going to have a safe number and you're going to have a faith number. And the only way we reach our goal is for everybody to take the faith number. It's the only way we reach it. It's for us to stretch ourselves and go, okay, I'm going to trust that God is in this, that God is going to move. Today is our commitment Sunday. Uh, so if, for some of you, you've, you've taken the commitment card and you've been praying over it for the last, you know, five or six weeks. And, and you go, man, I, I kind of know what I want to do. For some of you, uh, you're going to talk about it during service. Last service, we had multiple couples and families going, all right, what, what do we want to do? And they're talking through it uh, when we get to that moment. For, for some of you, you go, man, I, I'm not ready. And that's fine. That's totally fine. Our celebration Sunday is going to be December 4th. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, you'll have a few more weeks to pray and process about how you want to be involved. And if you're new, we're not asking you uh, to join in. But if you want, that'd be awesome too. You know, we, we, we believe it's going to take all of us to get there. So in a little bit, we're going to have a, 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 a kind of a, a different type of response time than what we usually do. Uh, we're gonna, we have four buckets up here, and I'll kind of explain uh, the different buckets and what to do and all of that. But just as you're processing and praying and asking, God, what do you want us to do in this moment? Uh, if we raise the funds, we'll be in a new building in 16 to 18 months, which is awesome. And I cannot wait to see what God's going to do through that. In fact, some of you, you've already made commitments. We had an advanced commitment night a few weeks ago where we invited the whole church, and a bunch of you showed up. And we asked in, on that night, like, hey, why are you wanting to be a part of For the Church for the City? Like, why are you investing? And we got a few responses. We want to take a look at that. We're supporting for the church for the city because we think Castle Rock needs a church where everybody, no matter what their circumstances are, has a home and is We're committing to for the church for the city because we love Castle Rock and we are so excited to see what this new building is going to do in this church, for our church, and for the community. 
We are committing to for the church and for the city because we love Front Range and it is more than just a church, it is our family. We want more people to be impacted uh, the way we have and become closer to God. And it's, it's good for us to have to step up and, and uh, do more financially and do our part, which uh, we've always struggled with. So uh, we're looking forward to that pressure and, uh, and the impact this is going to have. We're committing to For the Church, For the City, because this church is a church that truly loves God and loves people, and we want to see more people in Castle Rock come and be impacted by that. This church has changed our lives, the lives of our children, and it will change the lives of generations to come. We're committing to For the Church, For the City, because we have seen God's promise and we believe He will do it again. We're committing to For the Church, For the City, because we want to see the students of Castle Rock find hope and peace in Jesus. We're committing to For the Church, For the City because we've been so supported and we want to make sure we're a blessing to all others. We commit to For the Church, For the City for future generations to find the joy of the Lord. We are committing to For the Church and For the City because we want our children to have a church home. We're excited to see what God's going to continue to do in order to impact Castle Rock. For the Church, For the City, For the Family. that's some, some of the whys, why people are choosing to give significantly, why so many people have said, hey, we're going to be selling off a lot of stock, stock to be able to, or donating stock to be able to get us to this number. Hey, we're going to be dipping into our retirement and trusting that God's got our future, that God's going to take care of us. A few weeks ago, I shared a story about a woman at another church that um, she felt like the way that she could redeem her situation with her marriage was by donating her wedding ring. And as I told that story late in our church, felt like the way she could redeem her situation was by doing the same thing. People choosing to give vehicles and our elders being all in, our overseers who have churches elsewhere, them being all in and willing to give. I mean, this is why we're doing what we're doing in church. I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for your faith because you have helped me up in the midst of uh, the last few weeks and as we've been processing through all this. So let me pray for us. Father, we just come before you and I thank you. Thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you for what you've done in our hearts, what you've already done in this church, and what you're going to do today. Uh, I pray, Father, that as we dive into your word, may you speak to us in a powerful way. God, may you help us to know exactly what you're saying to us as individuals, as families. God, help us to follow you and step out in faith. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, I've been loving this time period that we've been studying over the last few weeks. And so many of you have said, man, this series has encouraged and challenged your faith. One couple told me for the, that we've been coming for seven years, and this is the most powerful message series we've ever heard. And I just want to say thank you. That's because of you guys. Because you're like saying, God, speak to me. And you're being sensitive to what he's saying. And you're willing to respond and whatever he's been saying to you. And so let me recap what's been going on. You've got the, the Israelites, and they've been besieged by Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar's in charge. He besieged. Jerusalem. He began to carry off all the treasures and then all the people. It's called the Babylonian exile. He takes the Israelites and he spreads them out across the empire. And their, their values are being rubbed up against with this other culture. And the king has told them, you have to worship me and you have to worship my gods. And so you can imagine where they're at. And in the process of all of this, God gives them a command and a promise. The command was this, to be intentional neighbors. 
to be great neighbors, to love people well, to serve people well, to, to he says, build houses and plant gardens and, and pray for people. And, and as a city is blessed, you too will be blessed. So he tells them, be great neighbors. And the promise, the promise is found at the end of the passage we looked at last week. I'm going to reread it for you. Here's the promise God gives them. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. And I'll bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. He says, I know the plans I have for you. They're plans, they're great plans, plans for a future, for hope, for good things. I'm going to listen. If you pray and you seek after me, then I'm going to listen. I'm going to answer your prayers. If you seek me, you will find me, which is really encouraging verse for me. Because, man, I've been so far away from the Lord in my life, and I know that if I just seek him, I will find him. And then in verse 14, he says, I'm going to bring you back to the place that I took you away from. Now, that seems kind of a weird like a weird promise. I mean, think about it. He's already told them, I need you to plant roots here. You're going to be here for a while. I need you to build houses and plant gardens and love the people here. And if they've done that, then why would God uproot them? And by, by, But anyways, where is he taking them back to? Like, what's this land that he's going to bring them back to? Well, to answer that, you have to go back 700 years to the time of Moses. Moses and the Israelites, they're slaves in Egypt, and God says, hey, I'm going to rescue you out of this place, and I'm going to take you to a new land. It's going to be your own land, your own home, and he called it the promised land. Now, this promised land represented God's faithfulness. It represented God's power, and maybe you know the story. Maybe you've heard it in like a Charlton Heston flick called The Ten Commandments, or maybe you saw a different version of it on the Veggie Tales, you know, something like that, but the people, they're, they're slaves in Egypt. And then God does some crazy miracles. He gets them to cross the Red Sea on dry ground, parts the waters. They walk across. They get to the other side, and then they begin to wander. And they don't start wandering in the desert because they have no GPS. They start to wander because they're being disobedient to God. But now here they are on the eve of entering into the promised land. Imagine. Imagine all the emotions that must be going through their hearts. I mean, they're probably excited. Right? They've been waiting for this moment for a long time. I mean, God promised them their own land hundreds of years earlier. And now here we are. This land isn't just our own home. Like, this represents God's faithfulness to us. This represents God's promises to us. Like, man, we cannot wait. They were so excited. You've been excited in your life. Like, think about the times you've been most excited. Maybe it was, maybe it was the night before Christmas. Right? And you, like, you were like, oh, man, I think I hear Santa. You know, like you're like waiting for something big to happen. Or maybe it was the, the night before you got married. Or maybe it was when your kid was coming into the world. Like you've had moments of excitement. Multiply that by a thousand. Because these people have been waiting on God's promises. For God to fulfill what he told them a long time ago. There's probably some sadness. You see, they weren't just wandering because they didn't know where to go. They knew where to go. They were wandering because their leaders had been disobedient to God. And God said, because of this disobedience... All your leaders, except for two of them, cannot enter into the promised land. And so now Moses is dead. Joshua, one of those two leaders that was allowed in, is now the leader. And so you can imagine, they must be thinking like, man, it would be so good if our parents were here. If our grandparents would get to see this, this moment. Like Moses got us out of Egypt and he doesn't even get to walk into the promised land. There's got to be some sadness. I also think there's some, 
So moments of doubt. I mean, why would we do this? I mean, why would we cross over the Jordan? Why would we, we don't really know what there is. And if you remember a few years earlier, they sent spies into the promised land and 12 spies went in and 10 came back. They were like, no, no, we don't want anything to do with this place. Like these people, they're giants. Like they will destroy us if we go over there. So why in the world would we want to go into the promised land? Why in the world would we want to cross the Jordan? Let's just settle here. I mean, besides that, like, if we cross over, it's going to be months, probably years before we ever get to settle down. Is this worth it? Is this worth it? Why are we doing this? And I think as they ask that question, it would be easy to say, well, I mean, who likes to wander? They've been wandering forever. Like, you know, they've had to, like, go and set up and, and then tear down and then move and then set up and tear down and set up and tear down and set, oh, it's kind of like being in a portable church, you know, setting up and tearing down all that, like, constantly. Who wants to do that? Besides that, there's really no protection that they have. They could be attacked at any point because it's not the place where God wants them to be. It's not the place where God has for them. Not only that, but I mean, who wants to live in a desert? I mean, God called a promised land, the land flowing with milk and honey. I want to live in that place. I don't want to live in a desert. That sounds terrible. So these are obvious reasons of like why they would want to cross, but that wasn't the why. The why is because it was God's promise. It's what God said, I'm going to give you this land. And when you cross over there, you're going to thrive and you're going to flourish like never before. The nation is going to grow. And as a nation grows, you're going to be a blessing to other nations. I'm going to use you to bring others to myself. I'm going to use you to see millions upon millions of lives changed throughout history. This is the why. And as we enter into this moment for our church, as I've thought about for the church, for the city, I've thought, why are we doing this? I mean, why is God calling us to do this? Yeah, we've been portable. We've set up and torn down nine different locations over the last eight years. It'd be awesome. Like, if you're on our setup team or teardown team, you're like, thank you, God, for a building maybe. You know, like that, it's hard. It's really challenging. Besides that, 66% of churches, of portable churches, have shut down or either moved out of Castle Rock over the last couple years. So the, the numbers are not in our, in our favor. It's also just not our home. Like as great as Renaissance has been to us and the team here has been to us, this isn't our home. And so there's a lot of things that we don't get to control. Every Sunday there's something that happens. Every Sunday there's something else that's out of our control that, that we're not able to do something that we wanted to do. We've had to pivot every single Sunday. Not only that, when something large like COVID hits, we don't get the option to stay open. We get shut down immediately. It's not our home. These are easy answers as to why we want to do this, but this is not our why. When we ask, is it worth it, those things don't make it worth it. What makes us stepping into this moment as a church worth it is seeing lives change. Seeing the over 1,000 people commit their lives to Christ, seeing people like Nick Nick was going through a tough time, and one of his neighbors goes to church here and said, hey, Nick, why don't you reach out to our pastor? I'll set up a, a meeting with you guys. So Nick and I, we met at a coffee shop, and we just talked about life and some of the issues he was going through. And at the end of the conversation, I said, Nick, I, I'd love for you to come to church this Sunday. And he said, are you sure that I'm allowed there? Nick had some beliefs that 
that um, we, we don't necessarily align to and some, some thoughts about God and things like that that we don't ascribe to. And I said, Nick, it would be an honor for you to come. And he came, and his second Sunday, Nick gave his life to Christ. And God began radically changing him. One of the first things he did is he quit the industry he was in because he realized it, it was an industry that wasn't, wasn't uh, pleasing to God. And so he, he quit his job because of his newfound faith. He started living his life for Christ. And then two years after that point, Nick got a uh, pretty aggressive illness, and he died suddenly. And I know where Nick is now. Nick's eternity was forever changed because somebody in this church invited him to have a conversation with me and then eventually invited to church and he walked into this place not literally never stepping foot in a church before and he felt loved, he felt accepted and because of you guys he met Christ. Because of this church his life was radically transformed and his eternity was forever changed. There's more Nick's in our community. We're doing this for people like Janet, who's a single mom. She hadn't been to church in a long time. And when she came, she didn't even know what kids' ministry was. You know, like as Christians, like you, you use lingo that you think like everybody, oh, kids' ministry. And she's like, I don't know. What does that mean? What are you doing with my kids? You know, so we're like, okay, well, let's show you around. And we took her over to the, the cafe. She's like, where's the donation jar? Because I know this stuff can't be free. So like if I get my coffee, where do I give money to? And we're like, no, 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 it's all free. It's from the generosity of people in our church. And her first Sunday here, she gave her life to Christ. And now Janet's trying to live her life for Christ, but also raising her kids to know and follow Jesus as well. Janet came to this church because of the invitation of one of you. She met Jesus because of the love and the passion that this church has for him and for others. Her life was forever changed. Those are the reasons why we're doing this. That's our why. That's why we're going to step out in faith. And here's what I know. Here's what I've learned. Anytime you choose to step out in faith, you're going to have opposition. Anytime you step out in faith, anytime you step out in faith, you're going to have opposition. As Sarah and I experienced that just this week, we, you know, we, as we prayed and processed, we had this like safe number. We're like, okay, we could do this. And it, you know, I mean, it'd be a little sacrifice, but it won't be that big of a deal. And then we had this big faith number. We're like, we have no clue how we're going to do that, but we got to practice what we preach, right? So we chose the faith number and we're like, man, we're going to have to sell stock and we're going to have to sell some other things. And I mean, like God's going to have to move on our behalf. And then for the last couple of weeks, I've, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to do more. And I'm like, that sounds ridiculous. So I text Sarah Monday morning, hey, this is kind of what I'm sensing right now. She was at work, and she responded back. She was like, okay, cool. And I'm like, I wish I had your faith. Because like, I'm like, this isn't cool. Like, Lord, I thought I had my number. And then Monday afternoon, my truck broke. Tuesday morning, I had a freak accident at basketball. I'm going to have to have shoulder surgery for a fourth time. And Thursday morning, my daughter went into the doctor, and she had surgery that afternoon. Anytime you choose to step out in faith, you're going to have opposition. You're going to have stuff that's going to hit you. And I have to keep the why in front of me because it's not worth it otherwise. Like giving to, giving to a church and like, like it's, think about how crazy it sounds. Like we're going to give to a church. We have a building so the people I don't know can come to church. So the people that I don't know will come to faith in Christ. And all, like, that sounds ridiculous. Like, like unless it's my neighbors, unless it's going to impact me directly, then why should I do that? It sounds crazy. But that's what faith is. 
and say, okay, God, this is what you want me to do. And if I keep the why in front of me, then no matter the opposition that comes my way, I can keep moving forward. So I just imagine the Israelites are standing on the shore looking over the, the Jordan River, looking into the promised land like, okay, it's worth it. Like the promises of God are worth it. Us flourishing are worth it. Us, our nation being used to change the world, it's worth it. And so God does a miracle, another miracle. He parts the Jordan River at flood season, the, that meaning that the, the river is 100 feet wide at this point. He parts the water. They walk across on dry land. And when they get to the other side, he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to send back 12 guys, one from each tribe, and go get some stones from in the middle of the river, and I want you to set up a, mem- a memorial. And that's where we pick up with the story, Joshua chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. It says this, so Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and he said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. Listen to this. In the future, when your children ask you what do these stones mean, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. So the moment they step onto dry land, God says, go back in the middle of the river, grab 12 stones, and set it up. Why? Because I want you to remember who did this. I want you to remember that it wasn't your wisdom that got you here. It wasn't your ability to navigate that got you here. It wasn't your power that got you here. It wasn't your wealth that got you here. I want you to remember it was me, that I did the miracles, that I provided, that I gave you exactly what you needed. It was my wisdom. It was my might that got you to this place. It sounds kind of ridiculous, like, like you part the waters, God, and then you're telling me to set up a memorial so that I'll never forget this moment. God's like, yeah, that's how you humans are. Like you forget the big things that I do. So when your kids come along, they're going to be like, hey, what, what are these stones for? Let me tell you about that time. And then their kids, and then their kids, and then generations later come by, and they see the stones. They're like, hey, tell us, what are these big old stones for? Let me tell you about the time that God came through. Let me tell you about the time that our God did a miraculous thing. This is what we're about to do as a church. For us as a church, we're about to step forward, take a step of faith, and ask God to do a miracle. As a church, we're going to, as we come forward, we're saying, hey, God, I need you to use me. God, I want you to use my family. And is it worth it? It's not worth it if you just think about, oh, it's for people I don't know. It's for people I may never meet. But if you start thinking about it, it's for people that I want them to know the same God that I know. I want their lives to be changed by Jesus because my life was changed by Jesus. I want their eternities to be forever different because my eternity is forever different because of Christ. Then it's worth it. Sounds crazy, but faith steps are always a little crazy. So what's going to happen? The band's going to play and they're going to play one song. And as they do, I want you just to pray and process over your commitment card. Some of you, you've already brought it filled in. You're like ready to go. Just take a moment, pray over it. Hey, God, speak to us. God, use us. God, help us. God, grow my faith through this. Some of you, you're still processing it. Take this time. 
take this time to talk about it with the person you came with or think through it yourself or whatever the process is and go, God, what do you want me to do? What's my faith number? And maybe for some of you, you're like Sarah and I where you feel like, okay, you know, you know what? I need to up it. I had this number. I thought it was my faith number. I talked to somebody right after last service. Individuals, single individual. They said, hey, I came here with my number in the middle of service. God said, nope, you're going to double that. I was like, man, thank you. Not thank you because it gets us to a building, but thank you that you're taking steps of faith. And so as you pray and you process that, I want you to come forward. There's four buckets up here. If you're on this side, you're going to come to this bucket, drop your commitment card in there, and then in the outer buckets, you guys will move it that way, there's a stone, a memorial. I want you to grab one of these. We have one per adult. I want you to grab one. I want you to place it somewhere that you're going to remember to pray. For me, mine's in my bathroom right beside my sink because I go there multiple times a day. And so every time I see it, I pray, God, move. God, move in my family. Move in our hearts. Change us. God, move in our church. If you're watching online, there's a commitment card online. We'll also, if you want one, we'll send you one of these stones as well. It's marked as a memorial. But this is our opportunity as a church to come forward and say, God, I'm stepping out in faith. I, I may not know how I'm going to reach my faith number, but this is what I feel like you're calling me to do. You know, God has been calling his people to be a part of stuff like this for a long time. This isn't the first time God has been like, I need you to build something so that more people can come to faith. In fact, one such time was when David and the people of Israel were looking at building the temple. And David gathers up all the people and they're ready to build this thing. I mean, they've been wandering for a long time, and now God's like, nope, I want my home. And so here's what it says, 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It says, with all my resources, this is David, the king, speaking. With all my resources, I have provided for the temple of God, all of these in large quantities. Besides, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God. He says, verse 5, for... Now, who is willing to consecrate themselves to the Lord today? David says, I'm going first. As your leader, I'm going first. And I'm giving everything that God has given to me. Now, who's going to join me? And I love this, verse 6. It says, then the leaders of families, the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders of thousands and commanders of hundreds and the officials in charge of the king's work gave willingly. Who's going to join me? And the leader said, we got you. We're right there with you. As you give, we give. As you sacrifice, we sacrifice. Not about equal giving, but about equal sacrifice. In verse 9, the people rejoiced. The people rejoiced at the willing response of their leaders. For they had given freely and wholeheartedly to the Lord. David the king also rejoiced greatly. That's what we're going to do in a moment. As we come forward, we're rejoicing and what God has done, and what God is doing. And how did David rejoice? He rejoiced with, with a praise, with really a prayer. It's been a prayer that I've been praying over our church this week. 
It says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord, the God of our father Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give you thanks and praise your glorious name. That's what we're going to do as a church. We're going to take a step of faith and praise God in the process. This isn't our typical response time. We're going to have that as well so we can take communion and all of that. But for right now, this is just for, for the church, for the city. So take this moment and pray. God, what do you want us to do? What is our best? What's our faith number? Not what we can do on our own, but because of honor and wealth come from you. God, what do you want us to do? As you fill that out as an individual, as a church, or as a family, be willing to come forward. Drop it off. And just pray, God, use this. God, do mighty things in me. Father, we come right now to you and we thank you for what you're about to do in our church. We thank you for what you did last service. God, how so many individuals said we're in. We thank you for what you're going to do now. As we take this step of faith, God, we need you to move. We need you to move in our finances. We need you to move in our families. We need you to move in our own hearts, God. I ask, Father, that you would stretch us, that you would grow us, that our faith would be strengthened through this. Father, we ask you to move now. Speak to us. Let us know what you're calling us to do. May we respond accordingly. In Jesus' name, amen.